Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 231 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. This week it's pallet stands, grain store woes, parasitic mite syndrome and acetic acid treatments. Listen in for all of this and more beekeeping chat. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm delighted to say that our podcast is now sponsored in part by Simon the Beekeeper. Making beekeeping an affordable hobby for everyone, Simon the Beekeeper provides the best value beekeeping equipment possible, along with a super fast delivery service. The bees won't wait, so their customers don't have to either. Visit the website at www.simonthebeekeeper.co.uk Hi everyone, another busy week passes by and we find ourselves speeding through October at a brisk trot. The weather, which always features in my podcast, has been all over the place, but temperatures remain high bizarrely, somewhere around 17 or 18 degrees Celsius this week. Not what I was expecting, but welcome all the same. It has been wet though, and it always seems to be wettest or warmest at just the time that I want to move my bees. This past week, we've been bringing more colonies back from the summer borage sites, the final move back in fact, and typically it was raining for most of the day. Bees weren't flying for the most part, and if I'd had waterproofs with me, I would probably have closed the entrances and shifted the bees in the early afternoon, but I really didn't fancy getting absolutely soaked. It was lashing it down. By the time we got to late afternoon though, the rain had stopped, The clouds had moved away, the sun emerged and of course warm and bright weather encouraged the bees to head out en masse for things like toilet breaks mostly I suspect. Thank goodness the evenings are drawing in and it gets dark around 6.30ish, maybe 7. No more are we waiting until 10 or 11 at night to move the bees. I did find that COVID is still part of my life, unfortunately. Lifting these beehives, even just a short distance from the stands to the trailer, was quite exhausting. I never thought it would take quite so long to get back to full health. That said, I feel fine now. The coughing has all but gone. And I feel ready to maybe get back on my exercise bike in the garage and start getting fit again. And dare I say it, lose some weight. It's amazing how quickly it goes on and how slowly it comes off. I suspect it's something to do with cake, but let's not talk about that here. The way I see it is I've got six months to prepare for the start of next season, so hopefully I can get back to full fitness and be ready to go again. Thinking more about the current state of affairs and less about my waistline, we've been dealt a bit of a blow. It's one of those bumps in the road and it all stems around trying to get our kit back into the grain store last week. It was a slight misunderstanding on my part and it meant that when I was thinking we could move into the grain store on Monday last week, the farmer had only really just spoken to his team to get it cleared out. It's left me with a bit of a nightmare in that the workload is stacking up like a line of dominoes. Is that mixed metaphors? Anyway, you get what I mean. It's just frustrating, really. I can't deal with most of the jobs I want to tackle away from the apiaries until we get some space to move the spare equipment into. 
it's not a massive problem. As I say, it's just frustrating. And it's the knock-on effect it has caused that's the frustration. Let me explain. Back at the unit in Norwich, we have quite a bit of what I'll call apiary equipment. Floors, boxes, nukes, frames, and all that kind of kit. It's taking up a lot more room than I would like and causes a bottleneck when it comes to cleaning everything up after the extraction is finished. What I would really like to do is move everything out of the honey room that needs cleaning and bring it back in one piece at a time in order to be cleaned. Just having the space to move around each piece of equipment, such as an extractor, means it can be cleaned out far more effectively than if you're constantly having to shift other bits of equipment out of the way and bundle them into corners. So, for instance, the hose doesn't get caught on the leg of the appy melter or that kind of thing. It is, as I say, just a frustration. Once the unit is straightened out, it will give me a chance to decide on a major commitment going forward. Our lease is up for renewal next spring and the landlord popped round to ask what our thoughts were about staying on. For me, it's a really difficult decision. It would be great to find somewhere that was large enough to house the honey production side of things as well as the storage and cleaning. All, of course, at an affordable price. The grain store is fine for storage and cleaning, but the heavy farm traffic makes it quite a dusty or muddy place, depending on the weather. So I'm really not sure if that ticks the necessary boxes. We could potentially use two locations. That's my current thinking. The unit in Norwich as the clean honey production site and the grain store as the cleaning and storage site. I think there's enough room for us to grow here, but we need it to be kept clean of all other equipment, hence the need for the grain store or other location. And this all feeds into my sense of frustration at the moment because until we get the space to tidy up and sort the kit out, I really can't tell if it will work or not. Away from the frustrations, we've been hoarding pallets. I can remember way back when I had around 20 or 30 hives, thinking I was moving into the big time, and making up individual hive stands for each hive. These are all now showing signs of decay, and the legs are, for the most part, starting to rot at the bottom and are in need of attention. They're great for static sites with national or commercial hives, but no longer any use to me as we're switching over to the Langstroth. This is where the pallets come in. But they have to be the right type of pallets. Good quality, heavy-duty Euro pallets. The 1200 by 1000 mil size pallets, stacked two or three high, work really well for overwintering our colonies. It gets the hives off the ground away from the cold winds, and more importantly, the damp that lingers during these autumn and winter days and nights. We're quite lucky in that our friendly farmer at the grain store is also a builder and regularly has pallets available for us to use. And our borage farmers are also keen to help out, so they're also collecting pallets for us whenever they can, ready to set out in the fields for pollination time. One of the useful things about pallet stands is the ease with which we're able to level them out. Any number of things can be used to help level them off, such as bricks, lengths of timber, broken pallets, even the occasional car tyre have all been used to help get things level and ready for our hives, and they make a really firm platform for the colonies. We've used pallets at the Fishing Lakes Apiary, and we found ourselves here this week checking through a couple of colonies that had slipped through the inspection regime due to the late September and early October issues that we've had. Two colonies in particular needed urgent attention, 
They still had a Queen Excluder and Super in place. Although I was not sure that there would be anything in the Supers, my thoughts were that they had been left over from the summer, and for whatever reason, I'd not managed to yet get round to deal with them. Another consequence of not keeping up with all of the beekeeping in this season of increased numbers has thrown me out. Not to worry, we can deal with it. The first thing was to pick a day that had reasonable weather, and luckily for me, the sun continues to keep the daytime temperatures nice and high, which allowed me to get in and see what was going on. If you've seen the video, then you'll know it wasn't all good news. By way of context, these two Langstroth colonies were from a batch that I purchased in the spring, and in keeping with previous late season inspections, Varroa has been a big issue. So much so, in fact, that the first colony was dwindling fast, parasitic mite syndrome was rampant once more, and the colony needed more than a varroa treatment if it's going to survive. The solution, albeit quite drastic, was wholesale change, but care needs to be taken when you're doing something so radical so late in the season. I'm still dubious as to whether it's going to work out or not, but as an example of trying to deal with the situation, it will be useful for other beekeepers just starting out to have a look at. So it has its merits. This is what I did. Out of the five frames that had any sign of brood in them, all had dead, twisted larvae, desiccated and black larvae, and to the untrained eye, it might be worth considering whether the bee inspector should be called in to check for a foul brood disease. But there were obvious signs of varroa damage, and none of the dead larvae had any signs of European foul brood, the most obvious being a swollen cream-coloured gut in the recently dead larvae, caused by the multiplying bacteria. So, what to do? Well, my assessment of the situation was the colony was too far gone for a varroa treatment on its own to be immediately effective. What was required was a radical change. All of the brood frames with sealed larvae would more than likely have varroa in them, so I removed them all. Yep, all five frames containing brood. It's a shook swarm without the shake, really. The sudden removal of all the remaining brood is more of a shock swarm than a shook swarm. It's possible the remaining bees might not survive, but they certainly would not have survived if I had done nothing. Subsequent to the video that I produced, I actually returned with a four-frame honey pour nuke box and transferred the remaining bees and frames of food into that nuke. So what was I left with? Well, a lane queen, who I managed to find wandering around in the roof of all places, a small cluster of flying bees, and around three frames in total of food. The hope is that the queen, still a youngster with a white dot, will start to lay eggs and they'll be able to hold on until that brood emerges and bolsters the tiny colony's strength. I suspect it may not work out because the remaining cluster of bees is quite small. The issue here is with so few worker bees in the cluster, it reduces the amount of brood that they can take care of, and as a result, the queen isn't going to lay frame upon frame of eggs as she would if there were more bees. I could add a frame of emerging brood from another colony, but with the nighttime temperatures falling, I'm not sure once again that there would be enough bees to keep even the emerging brood alive for a few days, and all I would end up doing is wasting a frame of perfectly viable brood from another colony. 
I guess we will have to just wait and see. It's another one of those colonies that really should be destined for a shakeout, but in the interest of sharing failures with you as well as the successes, I thought you might like to see and hear the process, and maybe we'll get lucky this time. The other colony on the pallet was doing fine. I popped a couple of mitoway quick strips onto the brood frames and hopefully they'll do okay with it. Once more, fingers crossed, I do seem to be doing that quite a lot this year. I did struggle to shoot the video showing these hives as we were overrun with ladybirds of all things. It was hilarious. It's one of those situations where a giggle turns into uncontrollable laughter. They were absolutely everywhere. As soon as I managed to get a couple out of my hair, they would be on my face and neck. When I put up my veil, I found them on the inside of the mesh, and it was one of those situations that just made me laugh, and once I got going, there was no stopping. Fun times, eh? Finally, I wanted to mention something a little more serious, sterilising frames using acetic acid. We were going to try this last year, but didn't have the available safe space, so I decided not to go ahead, purely from a personal safety perspective. But I do want to give it a try this year. The process is simple enough, but needs focus and mustn't be rushed. This acid is dangerous stuff. Basically, an absorbent pad soaked with 80% acetic acid is placed in a shallow plastic tray on the top bars of the frames in whatever box you've got, a super or brood box, and the fumes pass through the frames, killing spores such as nosema and chalk brood, and also dealing with wax moth too, which could be quite useful for us this year. It won't kill AFB spores though, but it is a useful technique to use to fumigate boxes and frames. It will probably deter rodents too, such as the strength of those fumes. So the method, clean and scrape the boxes, clean the top and bottoms of the frames and smear petroleum jelly on any metal runners. This stuff will eat into any metal that it finds, so keep it well covered. Next, set up the boxes on an enclosed floor. A solid floor would be best, or if not, maybe a plastic tray to seal the bottom. I favour putting them all in a large plastic bag to stack them up, similar to the ones we use when we're destroying colonies with chronic bee paralysis virus. Make sure you're fully protected with gloves, face protection, and wearing old clothes. Carefully, in a shallow plastic tray, on top of each box filled with frames, place an absorbent pad soaked with 140 mils of 80% acetic acid before adding the next box on top. Don't stack them too high. You don't want to be spilling this stuff onto yourself. Make sure you have a bucket or bowl of clean fresh water to hand to, just in case of spillages. Then all you have to do is leave it for a couple of weeks and then they can be unwrapped and stacked to air ready for the new season. I'll shoot a video to show the process so do watch out for that one. Well that's it for this week. If you've not yet taken a look at our support groups check out the Facebook groups for absolute beginners. We've got Stuart's Beekeeping Basics and if you're after a little more in-depth intermediate and advanced conversation check out Stuart's Beekeeping for All. We have lots of experienced beekeepers in both groups willing to offer help and advice to you if you've just started out on your beekeeping journey or need something a little bit more advanced. 
don't forget to check out my website www.norfolk-honey.co.uk and for my latest videos and podcasts with more updates, tips and techniques it's the same Patreon page www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey and remember I'm Stuart Spinks and that was beekeeping short and sweet (laughs) 